Hello, everyone, and welcome to Making the Grade for the week ending Friday, April 12th, 2019. This is the big one, folks. This is WrestleMania week. WrestleMania on Sunday, Raw after WrestleMania on Monday, SmackDown Live on Tuesday. This should be a very fun week. And when I say this is the big one, I'm not kidding. My notes for this episode, 22 pages. So let's dive in. Before we get into it, however, I really must say that this is the most I've looked forward to a WrestleMania in a long, long time. As much as I've complained about the build to the Raw women's title match, which is now the winner-take-all women's title match... I am really looking forward to that match. I'm looking forward to Kofi versus Daniel. The Cruiserweight Championship match should deliver as it always does. We get to see the Demon King take back the Intercontinental title, hopefully. And I'm even kind of pumped for Drew versus Roman. This should be a super fun night. We get nice use of the 3D graphics in the kickoff show as they project some sweet match graphics above the big circular uh, circular LED screen above the ring. Plus, we get some fun as we come back from break to Jonathan Coachman madly trying to uh, madly trying and failing to fix his bow tie and collar. He is suitably mocked by JBL for this. After Kayla talks to the New Day, Coach and Sam talk to Edge and Christian about Kofi. Match number one, Cruiserweight Championship, Tony Nese versus Buddy Murphy. At least it appears that there's actually a decent amount of people at their seats for the Cruiserweight match this year. But I feel like you could have opened with one of the meaningless battle royals and saved the Cruiserweight title match for a little bit later. Buddy is already bleeding from his left eye. No idea how that happened. Nice hits a beautiful 450 with a perfect landing, but Murphy is able to kick out at two. Nice then saves himself from a Murphy's Law by getting his foot on the ropes at two, which was good, but a little bit telegraphed based on positioning and Nice's little scooch toward the ropes before the pin. Tony Nice then pins Buddy Murphy following that brutal running knee in the corner. Grade B. Good stuff to start. Nice title change right off the bat. Always good stuff from the cruiserweights on the big stage. Jerry the King Lawler then joins panel to talk about Shane and Miz, and we go back to the ring for the Women's Battle Royal. Match number two, Women's Battle Royal. A whole bunch of women enter all together, and then Naomi and Asuka get their own separate entrances, so fuck all the rest of you. Maria is the first one out. Candice LeRae and Nikki Cross go out at almost the same time. Naomi gets eliminated by Ember, then Lana eliminates Ember. Fuck that, and fuck Lana for dressing like Wonder Woman. There are no LEDs on the ring at all. No aprons, no ring posts. Do you think they're worried about the rain? Or do they only have one set and they're at the Barclay Center? Sarah fails at ditching Kyrie, but not Lana. Insane elbow on Sarah, and then the Riot Squad team up to eliminate Sane. The squad almost eliminates Zelina and almost eliminate Asuka, but then focus on Dana Brooke, which, who gets a chant from the crowd. Dana tosses Ruby, then tosses Liv, Mandy, and Sonya, eliminate Vega, and then Dana. This is going to come down to Mandy and Sonya, and one of them is going to unceremoniously dump the other, isn't it? Nope, Mickey eliminates Mandy, and then Sonya eliminates Mickey. We are down to Sonya, Asuka, and Sarah Logan. They tease that Sarah's won as she eliminates Asuka after Asuka eliminates Sonya, but it turns out that Carmella is somehow still in the match. Carmella then eliminates Sarah to win. Grade B. Decent, quick, and inconsequential. Time for hour number two. Shawn Michaels is wearing a black leather vest, a white V-neck t-shirt, his NXT baseball cap, and a black necktie. It is a look. It is definitely a look. Match number three, Raw Tag Titles, The Revival versus The Major Brothers. They point out that Kurt is wearing green tonight in honor of the Jets, but that looks more like Celtics green to me. Things Michael Cole actually said. Dawson has that smash mouth in your style face of fighting. 
Ugly spot as Ryder suplexes Wilder from the inside of the ring over the ropes and they both tumble to the floor. Then a tornado DDT for Ryder on the floor and a brain buster for Hawkins. Brutal, brutal stuff. This leads right into the finish as Kurt plays dead and sneaks a roll-up onto Wilder to pin him and become the new Raw Tag Team Champions. Grade B. Look, we all knew this was going to happen and we know they'll probably lose the belts tomorrow night and we know that this match had zero build whatsoever, but that was a goddamn feel-good moment right there, and I am okay with that. Match number four, Androphy the Battle Royal. Just like the women, a bunch of dudes file out together, and then Michael, Che, and Colin Jost get their own entrances. <laughs> and then the Hardys get their own entrances, and then a commercial break. Then we go to panel for some reason, and we can't hear a word that they're saying because the Hardy Boys theme is still just playing in the background. Uh, after an interminable amount of time, Braun Strowman enters. Che and Jost just immediately leave the ring and go underneath it. They are really rushing through this. It's about eight people get eliminated almost immediately. Then Braun and Harper lock eyes, but they get mobbed before they can consummate their love. Tom uh, reminds us to think of what this battle royal has done for the former winners, which I believe can be defined as fuck all. I went to put supper away and came back for Braun booting Harper and Ali off the apron. Ouch. Andrade eliminates Apollo and then himself. Uh, then Che and Jost reappear to try and eliminate Braun, who is trying to eliminate the Hardys. Braun succeeds. The celebrities do not. Then Colin grabs a mic. <sighs> Colin literally brings his therapist into the ring to help Braun work through his anger issues. You could power a small village with the rate of Andre's corpse right now. Braun chokeslams the therapist and throws his dead body into Colin. Che tries to pull a Drew Carey, but Braun catches him and slaps him off the apron. They actually tease Colin winning, but he gets chucked over the ropes and onto a waiting crowd of superstars outside. Grade C for cheese. The trophy is made out of cheese. I mean, look, we all know that the Andre the Battle Royal is completely fucking pointless, but can you at least pretend that it means something? Back on panel, and they make excuses for Andrade eliminating himself. Uh, Roberts then tries to convince us that uh, tries to convince us still that winning the trophy means anything. Huh, let's start hour three in the main show. Yolanda Adams, whoever that is, and a gospel choir start us off with "America the Beautiful," followed by a very slow flyover by some helicopters. Then your opening video package, really. Really subtle, showing a clip of Roman after the song lyric, Never Gonna Die, WWE. Nice. Mike Rome starts us off by introducing the host of WrestleMania, Alexa Bliss. Alexa says, as the host, if she wants a WrestleMania moment, all she has to do is snap her fingers. She snaps her fingers, and known racist Hulk Hogan comes out. Can I give negative points ten minutes into the actual show? Yes. Yes, I can. Alexa and Hogan pose after Hogan yaps, and then Paul Heyman storms past them to the ring, because what better way to open WrestleMania than two promos? Paul says if Lesnar isn't fighting last, then they're not waiting around. They're going to open the show, he's going to beat Rollins, then they'll go to Las Vegas so he can UFC or some shit. Match number five, a universal title, Brock Lesnar versus Seth Rollins. Normally, I hate when top-tier titles open, but again, this is the Universal Championship, and I do like the story for this one, so I'll allow it. Seth has an awesome, awesome custom Beastmaster graphic to start his entrance. It's really cool. Uh, or Beast Slayer. I wanted it to be Beastmaster. It should have been Beastmaster, but it's Beast Slayer. 
Uh, Brock starts hot, attacking Rollins before he can even get in the ring and F5-ing him on the floor. Seth gets the absolute shit kicked out of him before the match starts, then counters an F5 by shoving Lesnar into Chad Patton, who falls out of the ring long enough for a straight-up dick punch by Rollins. Three Seth penalties later, and uh, Seth Rollins is your new Universal Champion grade C. That was surprisingly short. Like, surprisingly short. Seth swings the belt around his head like a maniac and then tries to leave, but the cameraman whistles at him to pose once more before we go to a WWE shop ad. Man, I am glad that the belt is off rock. Rock? Brock? Brock. I can't wait for Seth to get some debilitating illness that requires him to forfeit the belt. Lawler is now on commentary with Tom and Corey. His red tuxedo jacket is so bright that it's screwing with my TV. Match number six, AJ Styles versus Randy Orton. We get three giant CG snakes for Randy Orton's entrance, which I suppose it's much better than a giant sperm following him to the ring. AJ hits the springboard 450 and drives his knees into Orton's midsection. Orton hits a beautiful superplex on AJ that gets two. AJ wins with a phenomenal forearm grade. See, this match felt a little slow to me. Like, they just never kicked it into that next gear, you know? Uh, Lacey Evans then does her thing. Match number seven, SmackDown tag team titles. The Usos versus The Bar versus Rusev Day Nakamura versus Blackishay. While I find the set disappointingly plain this year, you cannot also say that it isn't impressively huge. Also, I really, really hate that they added that sound effect to Alistair's platform. Cesaro swings Ricochet for the entire period of time that Seamus Bowery's Rusev and Uso and Alistair Black. It's a good two minutes of spinning, at least. Ricochet almost taps to the sharpshooter, but, get, but gets kicked in the face by an Uso. And oh, hey, it's hour four. An impossibly ridiculous super-duper plexer bomb kills everyone but Ricochet, who rolls through to hit a 630 on Sheamus. The ensuing cover is broken up by all three other teams. A finisher parade ends with Sheamus getting double super-kicked, then double-splashed, and the Usos retain the SmackDown Tag Team titles. Grade B. That was fun chaos, even if, it was, even if I was the only one who didn't pick the Usos in the predictions. Finally, we see Byron, who is wearing a tuxedo made out of one of those thermal survival blankets that you get uh, at REI. We recap the Hall of Fame, minus Brett getting tackled, and then they get their curtain call. Match number seven, false count anywhere, Shane McMahon versus The Miz. Greg Hamilton displays impressive stamina as Shane directs him in the proper way to announce him. Mr. Potato Face is at ringside again, so maybe Shane will actually win here. The bell rings, and Shane immediately leaves the ring to go after George. Shane sets up Miz for an elbow drop through the commentary table, and Mr. Miz runs in to save him by standing in the way. So you're telling me that the guy who repeatedly asked a security guard last month if it was okay to try and save his son from Shane's post-match beatdown freely hops the barricade during a match and gets in the ring with Shane to fight him this month. Right. Shane beats up George and Miz charges. He chucks Shane into the crowd and goes to check on his dad. Miz asks his dad if he's okay, and we clearly hear George answer, Yep. Good job, Dad. Good job. In the crowd, they climb atop one of the feet for the legs of the giant canopy. Shane gets kicked off and goes headlong into a guardrail at the base of the stands. Miz then just beats the hell out of him with a chair. Then they end up at the international commentary station, causing chaos across the globe. Miz then knocks Shane over a guardrail and onto and summarily off of a golf cart roof to the ground below. 
They find a lighting and camera stanchion, a la Triple H and Undertaker at WrestleMania X7. Go check out my episode of WrestleMania Salvation for more on that. And Miz hits a brutal-sounding, skull-crushing finale that gets it too. Huh. Shane climbs to the top of the scaffold with one good leg. Miz follows him, backs him to the edge of a platform which doesn't have a safety railing for some reason. Safety. And this is when everyone dies. Miz superplexes Shane off of the platform and into a nice collapsing box of whatever the fuck below. Since And since Shane landed on top, Charles Robinson counts Miz's shoulders down for three. Grade B. Kind of a dumb finish. At least the finish itself. But that was a fat, fun match. And the actual suplex was pretty as fuck well done gents match number eight wwe women's tag team titles boss hugs versus blandy savage versus iconics versus glam farts page is your guest commentator for this match it is nice to see her again tonight's bailey buddies are brought to you by blue chew only half inflating before collapsing back down in a disappointing heap blue chew bret hart shows up to do absolutely nothing during natty and beth's entrance they tease a submission on Beth with the Banks statement, but she rolls out of it into a glam slam attempt, but Sasha ends up victory rolling Beth into her own corner, so Natty tags in. Then Natty ends up putting both Sasha and Bailey in a double sharpshooter, which never looks good. Sadly, the twats reappear after getting taken out at the beginning of the match. They tease a double supersized splash, but Beth shoves Naya off the top to the floor. Sasha hits a frog splash, but Beth kicks out at two. Beth hits a super glam slam on Bailey, but gets chucked from the ring by Peyton, and Billy Kay, who had secretly tagged in, pins Bailey to become the new WWE Women's Tag Team Champions. Grade A. This match was in solid B territory until that finish. I 100% popped for that finish and for the Iconics winning the titles. That was just amazing. Turns out those helicopter pilots have made their way back to MetLife Stadium and are now in the front row. We get an awesome recap of Kofi's 11 years in WWE leading into Daniel Bryan's smack talk. Uh, match number nine, WWE Championship, Kofi Kingston versus Daniel Bryan. Surprisingly, we don't get any special entrance for the New Day here. Just the typical typical shit big e grabs a present from the timekeeper and says it's for after the match and i'm guessing that's a new wwe title possibly pancake themed they place the wwe title on a black velvet covered pedestal when have they ever done that when the title was not vacant kofi hits a fosbury flop onto daniel and we get a shot of the locker room crowded around a monitor backstage and oh we're 20 minutes into hour five daniel's wrestlemania gear can best be described as chocolate covered Maybe I meant to write colored, but I wrote covered. Either way, it still works. Kofi goes for some sort of springboard maneuver to the outside and eats nothing but table. That looked like it hurt. This allows Brian to focus on the midsection of Kofi and for Kofi to play face in peril. Brian counters a leaping knee strike into a vicious-looking Boston Crab, but Kofi is able to make it to the ropes. They do dueling kicks, and then Kofi hits some kind of reverse vertical suplex for two. That was cool. Rowan gets taken out of the equation with a midnight hour. Daniel ducks a trouble in paradise and hits the running knee, but only gets two. Kofi gets put in the label lock for the third time, this time in the middle of the ring, but manages to fight out of it. And a trouble in paradise puts Daniel down for three. And ladies and gentlemen, Kofi Kingston is your new WWE champion. Grade A. They had the tens of thousands in attendance and me, and I'm sure many, many, many others at home eating out of the palms of their hands. Plus... Xavier is weeping, and I'm a sympathetic crier. This is awesome. They present him with a new WWE title that already has Kofi side plates on it. It was actually under the black velvet cloth, and they put Daniel's belt around it. Good. Good way to hide it. 
Then Kofi's kids come in the ring. The gift box contains shirts that say, there's a new champ. Yes, there is. And I'm fucking done. I'm going to need a minute, you guys. <sighs> Alexa enters the trainer's room, which is labeled mortuary for some reason, to talk to Colin Jost and Michael Che, and the outsiders of the doctors for some reason. It's funny? Maybe? Booker T is now on commentary. Byron is still wearing that horrid silver tuxedo. Match number 10. Is it 10? Yeah, we're on 10. U.S. title, Rey Mysterio versus Samoa Joe. During Rey's entrance, we check with what's left of the international announce teams. I have literally no idea what the hell Rey is supposed to be dressed as. Is it shitty Aquaman, maybe? Joe puts Rey in the coquina clutch, and the match ends in maybe a minute and a half, which we find out on SmackDown was 55 seconds. Grade C. Squash matches get C's. Thanks for coming, Buck. Please tell me Joe is not about to fight Dominic. Oh, good. And Buck's gone. Even better. Our number six, match number 11, Drew McIntyre versus Roman Reigns. The NYPD Emerald Society, they're a pipe and drum band, play Drew to the ring. It is pretty sweet, and it means he's going to lose. <clears throat> I had cancer. Now I don't blood cancer. In my bones. Reigns wins, Reigns wins with a Superman punch and a spear. Grade C. Yay, Roman doesn't have cancer anymore. Hooray. Then, finally, Elias. He's actually not here, mind you. He's on the big screen, and he apparently also plays the drums. And the piano. And then he's in the ring with his guitar. He is going to play a song with himself and himself. And that was cool. Bonus points. And just once, just once, just once, I want him to say, hello, I am Elias, and this is Wonderwall. He ends up getting interrupted by a new update about Babe Ruth, sorry, a news update about Babe Ruth calling his shot. What the fuck is happening? Somehow this leads to John Cena Classic? I'm so fucking confused. Anyway, he high-fives Keegan-Michael Key. What the fuck? And gets in the ring. John freestyles on Elias, and apparently the Doctor of Thugonomics has returned. I, 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 do not, I do not get this, but I also do not hate this. We get the promo package for Batista versus Triple H, and I still don't understand the build for this match. Match number 12, Batista versus Triple H, with Triple H's career on the line, no holds barred. Shawn Michaels is your special commentator for this match. What are we at, like seven of those now? Batista enters with a motorcade. He beats up his SUV. In my head, he left wherever he was in in his suit and changed in the car on his way to MetLife Stadium. Like that time Doug Mirabelli came back to the Red Sox and got dressed in the car between Logan and Fenway. Batista has covered up his little Godsmack Sun belly button tattoo thing with a giant fucking tattoo of something that kind of looks like a bird. Also, Kumail Nanjiani is sitting behind Shawn Michaels with two giant Batista heads. They're apparently in a movie together. Hunter gets this major CGI Mad Max video lead-in to his entrance and comes to the ring on a flaming dune buggy. It's lame. We get an extremely long close-up on the metal skull on the front of the buggy, and I'm not going to lie, it kind of looks like Groot. I don't think it's supposed to look like Groot, but it looks like Groot. Uh, you know how I know this is kind of lame? Because Michael Cole hollers out, How cool was that? All right, Dad, shut up. 
Also, it's being driven by one of the zombie medics from the Chamber of Horrors match at Halloween Havoc 91. Triple H, ra- blah, blah, Triple H wraps a chain around Batista's face and is immediately disqualified, since this is no holds barred, not no disqualification. <clears throat> Hunter pretends to break Batista's fingers with a pair of channel lock pliers and then pretends to rip Batista's nose out with a pair of needle nose pliers, and again, neither of those are holds. Also, what's the obsession with pliers? They also probably should have been counted out a couple of times already, too. We start our uh, seven oh, with another no-sell from a table as Batista gets backdropped onto our table and just bounces. But then Hunter spears him, and they both crash through the Spanish, or maybe it's the German table. Hunter pulls a sledgehammer out from under the ring and literally holds it like a giant dick. Not kidding. Batista gets Hunter up for a Batista bomb with the sledgehammer in Hunter's hand, but Hunter does not clock Dave in the face with it, so I'm confused. Hunter powerbombs Batista on the bottom section of stairs and then pedigrees him, and Dave kicks out at two. Ric Flair then appears to give the second sledgehammer that I don't think we were supposed to see earlier, I assume, to Hunter so he can Superman punch it into Batista's skull and pedigree him for three. Grade C. I did not care about this match at all i really wish hunter would stop dick measuring and giving himself wrestlemania matches that don't fuck need to happen alexa and the b team sell daniel bryan collector's edition still champion t-shirts so that ron simmons can show up and say damn match god fuck me 13 baron corbin versus kurt angle corbin pins angle in a match that was mercifully short grade b look i've said it before kurt should have retired probably at least six years ago he can't go anymore had this gone any longer it would have just gotten worse kurt gets the fans to yell that he sucks one last time then hugs his family at ringside for some reason all his kids are there except jason jordan so maybe they had some kind of falling out match kill me (laughs) 14 intercontinental championship bobby lashley versus the demon Bobby has weird contact lenses in for some reason. This is not mentioned and not explained. The demon has stolen Shawn Michaels' hydraulic platform for WrestleMania 25. Michael Cole is losing his voice. Why couldn't that have happened two hours ago? Balor wins with the coup de grace grade. B, we are at the shave as much time as you can because it's almost fucking midnight portion of the show, ladies and gentlemen. What it was was good, but it was also noticeably short. Alexa then announces the new attendance record. Apparently, it took them almost seven hours to come up with a fake number that sounds realistic. Speaking of which, it's 11.45. Can we just get to the goddamn main event already? Nope. We have to have a seven-second dance break that lasts a lot fucking longer than seven seconds. Fuck off. End the show. Negative points. And then a commercial for Ms. and Mrs. <laughs> and then a commercial for WrestleMania 36 in Tampa, complete with different enough that you can't sue us Pirates of the Caribbean music. Match, don't you fucks know I have to work tomorrow. 15, winner take all women's championship, Ronda Rousey versus Charlotte versus Becky. They fly Charlotte in on another helicopter and roll out a red carpet for her. She removes her jacket and two dudes bring her her robe, which buttons by itself. If you think I'm kidding, go watch that segment again. They give her the robe, she puts it on, the camera changes, and it's buttoned. (sighs) Then Joan Jett sings Ronda to the ring, I guess, as Charlotte walks into the building, maybe? 
Rhonda enters with big smiles for Joan, and then she stomps her way to the ring like a three-year-old having a fit. Grr, arg, angry. As Becky gets introduced, we enter our number eight. Rhonda has Charlotte in some kind of arm lock draped over the top rope. Becky hits the ropes and drop kicks Rhonda between Charlotte's legs, and Rhonda bounces off the apron and lands on her shoulder on the floor. <laughs> Charlotte chops Rhonda repeatedly. Rhonda tells her she chops like a bitch, shows so Charlotte backhands her across the face. Rhonda responds to this with a jumping flail that somehow brings Charlotte to her knees. The ring mic is just a little too hot, as we can clearly hear the conversation as Becky and Charlotte co-powerbomb Rhonda three times in a row. Becky locks Rhonda in the disarm her, which Rhonda has repeatedly called both fake and gay, and yet Rhonda desperately tries to escape as though it actually hurts or something. We then hear a nice three count before Charlotte hits a Spanish fly on Becky. Ready? One, two, three. Becky grabs a table from under the ring and sets it up in the ring. They tease a powerbomb through the table by Becky on Charlotte, but Rhonda breaks that up, dumps Charlotte, punches Becky, then flips the table and says, Tables are for bitches, and that's why we don't like them. But she has called herself a bitch in the past, so she is in favor of tables. Also, is bitch the only cuss word she knows? Yet another table that doesn't break as they try to hip-toss Charlotte through it, and it just kind of bends. Becky crucifixes Rhonda out of a Piper's pit, and the ref counts three, despite one of Rhonda's shoulders clearly being up. Grade C. And I hate that I have to give it a C, but that was utterly unsatisfactory. I shouldn't be surprised, given how awful the entire build for this match has been, but Christ, the coronation of the man, her overcoming all the odds and all the suspensions and the fake knee injury and everything, the culmination of that is a fluke crucifix that wasn't even actually a pin. There was such potential there, and they just botched the fuck out of it. <sighs> Overall grade for WrestleMania 35, C+. The main event should have gotten us up to a B+, at least, but instead, we're barely above mediocre. I enjoyed this Mania, don't get me wrong, but there has to be some kind of story behind that finish. I can't imagine that's what they actually wrote down as a finish before they went out there. <sighs> All right, Raw after WrestleMania, what do you got for me? Michael Cole and his still partially lost voice welcome us to Brooklyn, and we open with Seth Rollins. Remember the Universal title, kids? It's back, in pog form. Brock Lesnar guy cameo as the crowd chants, you deserve it. Rollins says he feels like shit today, but he's still here. Seth reminds us that Brock and Heyman ditched Mania to go to some meetings in Vegas and tells them to stay in Vegas, which I'm perfectly cool with. Then the New Day appear, so I guess they just couldn't wait until Tuesday for Kofi. And I'm not sure that Seth was expecting this to happen. They do the WWE champion dance. Xavier literally dry humps the canvas and Big E does a full split and it is damn impressive. Bonus points. Kofi then lays down a challenge for Seth for a winner take all match here tonight. No shield, no new day, just Kofi and Seth title for title. Kofi is either unabashedly greedy or incredibly stupid. Seth accepts the challenge, and I cannot wait for that match to end in a double disqualification. Seth and Kofi stare at each other as Seth's music plays, then we cut to the, to the hard cam, and Xavier and Biggie are dancing to Seth's music, and it makes me fucking laugh again. Bonus points again. Match number one, Raw Tag Titles, Major Brothers versus The Revival, but rematches aren't automatic. <laughs> they tease a hamstring injury for Hawkins and another quick roll-up like last night, but it only gets a two and was apparently a ruse. Hawkins eats another brain buster on outside, so he's dead. They win with another surprise roll-up, though, as Zack eats a shatter machine, but Hawkins was the legal man. Grade? 
B, I was legitimately worried that they would give Zach another 24-hour title reign, and I am glad that I was wrong. Mike Rome brings out Baron Corbin with his list of accolades. He brags about ending Kurt's career, and the crowd tells him to shut the fuck up. Literally. Baron says he feels like he deserves his own gold medal, and this brings out Kurt Angle. Kurt wishes him luck in his career. Bad luck. <laughs> and then Angle slams him and then puts him in the ankle lock. Then Lars Sullivan finally appears. Kurt awkwardly eyes Lars' tits and then gets slammed. Match number two, Alexa Bliss versus Bailey. Apparently, Alexa made a challenge on Twitter to fight either or both of Boss Hugs since they lost their titles last night, because that makes fucking sense. Makes even more sense that only Bailey would accept and not the both of them. Bailey makes two stupid mistakes right in a row, first covering Alexa while also holding the middle rope. Inexplicable. And then pinning Alexa in the corner, basically with both of Alexa's arms under the bottom rope. Alexa wins by pinfall after a DDT. Grade... C. This was unimpressive and kind of disappointing. They then partially spoil the main event tonight by advertising a special WWE Championship celebration for Kofi Kingston tomorrow night on SmackDown. Enter the man. Luckily, they had four Becky Lynch side plates available for the two title belts. She entered WrestleMania with nothing, and she left with everything. She tells Ronda that whenever she's done sulking, she can come back, and Becky will knock her head off once again. Her music plays for a few seconds, and then Lacey Evans does Lacey Evans things. Then she punches Becky right in the face, so they brawl. Lacey barely escapes, escapes the disarm her as the referees break things up. Tonight, Dean Ambrose's last match in WWE is against Bobby Lashley. Backstage, Charlie asks Seth about tonight's main event. Match number three, Black Ache versus Glorable. Apparently, Alistair's platform didn't make the trip up from East Rutherford, but the sound effect did. We get a creak and a half, maybe, and then Alistair just kind of pops up out of the smoke. Tonight, Alistair Black is brought to you by Blue Chew. When your creaky old platform can't perform, try Blue Chew. I swear, as the rude Gable text appeared on the screen on the big Titantron that's not called Titantron anymore, there was a K that flashed on the left-hand side. Maybe we're getting Sergeant Slaughter and Seth Rollins' video again. Uh, Chad is nice enough to sell a boot to the face that misses completely. Glorable hit the neckbreaker moonsault combo when the ref counts nice and slow. So Alistair has time to break it up. Ricochet pins Gable with a one-legged codebreaker. Grade C. Not their best efforts, just the path leading to the full heel turn for Glorable. Or at least maybe a breakup. Who knows? <clears throat> Bobby hits Ricochet from behind and then drags Chad out of the ring. Elsewhere, Elias is unhappy about what happened last night. He promises that anyone who interrupts him tonight will have hell to pay. A promo featuring a dinosaur puppet inside a smoking cardboard box. That's uh, that's all I know, man. That's all I know. Match number four, Dean Ambrose versus Bobby Lashley. Bobby and Leo enter to mostly no music. Bobby tells Dean not to worry that he'll take good care of Renee once he's gone, so Dean beats the shit out of him. Lashley ends up spine-bustering Dean through the commentary table, and Dean's last match isn't actually a match. Renee tends to her husband for the first time on camera as the crowd chants, Thank you, Ambrose. That was unceremonious. Holy fuck it, Sami Zayn. Speaking of finally appearing, sadly, we then see Mojo Raleigh talking into a mirror. The mirror is now broken, and he's drawn broken glass lines around one of his eyes with a sharpie. Ugh. Enter Sammy. He lays out an open challenge. Match number four, Sammy Zayn versus Finn Balor. Finn talks to the ref, the ref talks to Mike Rome, and we have ourselves a title match. And an immediate commercial break for some reason. Finn is wearing bright blue, so expect him to change brands in the shakeup next week. Finn pins Sammy with a coup de grace. Grade B. 
It's fun to see Sammy back. I did get worried that they'd go full rider on Balor, but Finn does retain. Sammy grabs the mic after the match and immediately turns heel. It is a beautiful thing. Backstage, not Renee, talks about nothing until she's interrupted by duckface Dana Brooke. The promo wasn't bad. It wasn't great, but it wasn't bad. Elias is in the ring. He complains about John Cena. He freestyles on John Cena. He says the next superstar to interrupt him is a dead man. And then the bell tolls. And then Elias visibly shits his pants. Elias leaves the ring very furtively, presumably trying to prevent the shit from dribbling out his pant leg. Oh, God. Then he changes his mind. Taker looks at him, puzzled, and they ever so slowly step to each other. Elias charges, eats a boot, gets choked, slammed, tombstoned, and yeah, that happened. Much like last night. I don't get it, but I enjoyed it. <clears throat> Match number five, winner take all, Kofi Kingston versus Seth Rollins. Spoiler alert, there will be no winner and no one will take all. They have an unsurprisingly good match, and then the bar run in and attack. Kofi grade, B, good match, predictably dumb finish. Seth then challenges the bar to a Teddy Long special. Match number six, the bar versus Seth and Kofi. The crowd starts a loud bullshit chant as the match begins, and I do not blame them. Seth pins uh, one of them. I wasn't paying attention. I think it was Cesaro. Grade, D. I, like many of the fans in attendance, completely lost interest interest once i realized there would be no big surprise debut to ruin the match just just the bar overall grade for raw b plus it wasn't perfect and it wasn't the best post raw mania in fact it kind of fell flat to me compared to other post raw manias but at least it was one of the better raws of recent memory it was good for a raw it was not so great for a post mania raw well what do you gotta do Let's see what the blue brand has for us, shall we? We start with the New Day. Have you ever actually listened to the New Day's music? It's it's boring as fuck. There is a huge rainbow of balloons over the ring, and each turnpost has a platter full of pancakes on top. Big E opens the celebration by reminding us that Kofi won the title of Mania, uh, title at Mania, as though Kofi wearing the title was not enough of a reminder in and of itself that Kofi won the title at Mania. E then does another split. It is still impressive. Then he talks about butt stuff. They talk up the amazing cultural accomplishment that is Kofi becoming WWE champion. Kofi talks about how this wasn't the plan. This wasn't the way things were supposed to go. But here we are. He then shouts out his family in the front row. And then they're interrupted by the bar. Fuck's sake. (sighs) They take credit for saving Kofi's WWE championship last night. They then challenge them to a six-man tag. Their partner is going to be Drew McIntyre. I thought the shakeup was next week. Also tonight, the SmackDown tag title match that was supposed to happen on Sunday night, but didn't for no reason. Match number one, Black Ashay and Prince Ali versus Rusev De Nakamura and Andrade, no last name given. Okay. This is out of nowhere. As they continue to talk about the superstar shakeup, I continue to miss the draft lottery of years gone by. I miss the randomizer. I mean, I suppose the shakeup makes a bit more sense now that there are no GMs or commissioners, but still. I want that big screen that goes boop, beep, 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 Ali pins Andrade with the 450, not the 054, mind you, but the 450. Grade B. Fun match, but again, I ask, why? Then Randy RKO's him out of nowhere. Then Kevin Owens stuns Rusev. Okay. 
Rusev and Lana throw a tantrum as Byron reminds us of the six-man tag main event. Backstage, Kayla is with the Usos. They talk about how they need to win tonight to prove themselves because they've never faced the Hardys before. Back from break, and we are dancing. They show us a women's reproductive system as Truth asks, what's up? Then Truth is stupid. <laughs> I don't know if it's the makeup or what, but Carmella's uh, right eye? Right eye looks fucked up. They are thankfully interrupted by Samoa Joe. They brawl. Joe ends up getting clutched. Sorry, Truth ends up getting clutched and then just gets unceremoniously chucked out of the ring. Joe beat Ray in less than a minute at Mania and he'll do the same to anyone else who steps up. Enter Braun Strowman. I thought the shakeup was next week. Then they brawl and Braun gets clutched. Braun is able to fight it out, uh, however, but fails to power slam him. Braun leaves. The Iconics enter with their shiny new belts. They promise to defend the belts. Anytime, anywhere, against commercial break. At least on my on-demand feed, since my DVR didn't record it properly. The break ends and Peyton is talking, so I'm guessing that wasn't part of the actual broadcast. Anyway, tonight they defend their titles against the best team in Brooklyn, an undefeated team standing with a record of 44-0, and Carissa and Kristen, the Brooklyn Bells. Match number two, WWE Women's Tag Team Titles, the Iconics versus the Brooklyn Bells. Corey Graves starts right in with the calling the Bells the wrong name shtick. Backstage, Paige is watching for no apparent reason. The champs win easily. Grade C, squashes, get C's. They dance around. Paige is still watching backstage. Kayla approaches her to ask why the hell she's there. Paige promises to bring an impressive tag team of her own next week. Enter Shane McMahon. The World Cup makes its grand return. Shane is sporting quite the black eye. We get photo recaps of Shane beating up George and then the superplex that killed The Miz. Uh, he takes credit for the success of WrestleMania since his match with Miz was the one everyone came in and tuned uh, came and tuned in to see, obviously. Shane asks Greg why he didn't int introduce him so well tonight. Greg says he was threatened by the fans. Right. Shane says not to worry about the fans, but to worry about Shane, and then drags him to the stage by his tie, making him announce him at least seven times. This is annoying. Negative points. We then go back to last night for Elias and The Undertaker. Match number three, SmackDown Live Tag Team Titles, The Hardy Boys versus The Usos. I do not understand why On Demand is putting commercial breaks in random places and then skipping the commercial breaks that are programmed into the show. Some mat interference allows Jeff to avoid a double superfly, a twist of fate, and a swanton bomb, and the Hardys are the new SmackDown Tag Team Champions. Grade C. This didn't hold my interest that well, and I don't understand why they pulled the trigger on this title change tonight as opposed to doing it at Mania. Kayla is in the ring with the new champs, but she is immediately interrupted by Lars Sullivan. He single-handedly demolishes the new SmackDown Tag Team title champions. All right. Enter the man. Can Becky enter to Steven Regal's theme song just once? Just once. That's all I ask. Becky reminds us how she got punched in the face by Lacey Evans last night. She promises to fight all comers because as long as she has both belts, she'll be on both brands. She goes to leave and gets knocked on her ass by Lacey Evans out of nowhere. Your main event is next. And everyone is already in the ring when we come back. Match number four, New Day versus Barb McIntyre. But first, Sami Zayn, apparently. He comes out on the stage, says we're not worth it, and leaves. We go to break on Drew inverted Alabama slamming Xavier into the commentator's table. And when we come back, it's Big E against Cesaro with Sheamus and Drew having disappeared. They really cannot stop talking about the shakeup and how many how teams may be broken up next week. Like it's non fuck stop. It's really getting kind of annoying. 
Sheamus has reappeared. There is no sign of Drew, however. Kofi pins Sheamus for the victory grade C, short and inoffensive. Kofi celebrates with his family as we go off the air. Overall grade for SmackDown, C-. Minus. What a patently boring, inoffensive show. Yeah, the tag titles changed hands, but I don't get why, and the match wasn't that good. For the first time in a while, SmackDown is the worst show of the week. Overall grade for the week, C+. WrestleMania was long, and while it was mostly enjoyable, it was also very bloated. Don't get me wrong, there were some amazing WrestleMania moments, but the botched finish in the main event hurt things. The utterly unnecessary and completely too long Hunter Batista match could have been left out to the detriment of no one, and by the end, they were cutting matches short just to try and end at a reasonable time. The Raw after Mania, which they know is a big thing and have started making into a big thing, was lackluster, with the only call-up being a guy who started being advertised, what, like six months ago? and the only meaningful return being Sammy. The Undertaker inexplicably came back to fight Elias for reasons that are as yet unclear. We had no Roman, we had no Drew, and Dean Ambrose's last match wasn't even a match. This was not a good WrestleMania week, folks. And it it kind of sucks. Let me know what you thought, either on Twitter or at Gmail. NitromaniaPod is the handle on both. There'll be another special Patreon-only making a grade up soon at patreon.com slash rundownwrestling, where I'll cover the World's Collide special from WrestleMania Access. Check me out on this week's episode of Hurry Up and Cruiserweight. I stepped in for Jeff when Jeff uh, was unable to uh, perform. <laughs> uh, keep on voting in the tournament at rundownwrestling.com. Become a patron at patreon.com slash rundownwrestling, and I'll be back next week with another episode of making the grade. Blur.